0: Coming to you from the Clarks Pump and Shop studio, it is the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. As we talk some Kentucky football and basketball with you today, the Wildcats picked up another big-time basketball recruiting commit. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that with David Sisk, Cats Illustrated, who covers the basketball recruiting scene. Uh, his boss, Justin Rowland of Cats Illustrated. Uh, we'll talk some Kentucky football. We'll lead off with my buddy Mike Pratt. That's our uh, guest lineup. For this clearing Thursday after a little rain earlier in the week, and should be a pretty nice day. It looks like for game day on Saturday out at Kroger Field. Wildcat news of the day, a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington, and we start with the basketball commit. Chris Livingston becomes the latest top five prospect to commit to play for John Calipari in Kentucky. Six six or six seven, depending on which service you consult. Two hundred pounds and he is uh, a young man who's considered to be a strong finisher, guy who could uh, hit the boards strong, could uh, develop into a, a guy who could guard multiple positions uh, out on the perimeter. Uh, Livingston talked with Jason Jordan of SI.com, Sports Illustrated.com, about what the reaction was he got when he called Coach Cal to commit. Um,
1: I called him. And he was super ecstatic. Like, Coach Kyle went crazy. And Coach Chamber, my assistant at Kentucky, he went outside and started yelling. started screaming. He was real happy. Um, they, You know, it seemed like they just won a battle. Like, it was crazy. Like, they really um, – their dad even more showed me that they really wanted me, really cared about me, never really um, stuck with me. You know, my mom, when I told her she started crying, you know, she was excited. You know, she was happy for me. So, every, it was all well received. And Coach Cowell and were really excited.
0: Chris has a a connection to Lexington through, I believe, his mom. And I can't remember exactly what it is. But um, anyway, there is a a UK connection there in the family. He plays at uh, Oak Hill Academy for Kentuckian Steve Smith, who talked to Kyle Tucker of the Athletic yesterday after the commitment and said, quote, he'll be perfect there of Livingston. Uh, He said that Livingston... Uh, came to Oak Hill to, quote, play with other really good players to get challenged, to get ready for college, to go against the best talent in the country. A guy who takes on that challenge will be perfect there. He can be your star, but he's not going there planning to be the star. That was Steve Smith of Oak Hill talking with The Athletic about Chris Livingston. So who's next? Casein Wallace, most believe, will be the next top 10 commit for Kentucky, and then at least Most analysts seem to believe the Cats will get at least one of two big guys, the Mona or Derek Lively, that are uh, top ten prospects as well. So it looks like quite a haul for John Calipari. Kentucky football yesterday was defensive interview day, and defensive coordinator Brad White was at the podium talking about his main emphasis on his side of the ball this week was on correcting mistakes from the Missouri game.
2: The technique aspect of it was, you know, was poor uh, on some downs and, you know, some some critical errors and flaws that uh, guys hadn't made, you know, through camp and will we'll get fixed. You know, hopefully it was just a, a momentary, you know, lapse. Uh, but obviously in, in big games, big moments against good teams, you can't have those. You know, they're going to take advantage. So, um uh, Obviously a lot of room for improvement, but you know, we'll take the win and, and improve from there.
0: Red White after practice yesterday. Volleyball, number five U won the top ten showdown with number eight Kentucky in the Ville last night in five sets. Kentucky rallied to win the fourth set and get even and then had a two point lead early in the fifth before Louisville closed with eight straight points to win the match three to two and get their first win, I think it was in seven years, over Kentucky in the Battle of the Bluegrass. And a note for those of you that are going to be traveling to Kentucky's game at South Carolina a week from Saturday when the Cats get back into SEC play. The city of Columbia is putting in a mask mandate, so that covers williams Bryce Stadium. So South Carolina is sending out a note to its fans yesterday that masks, masks will be required At all times at Williams-Brice Stadium, other than when you're eating or drinking, there are a few very limited exceptions that I'm sure are on their website, but uh, you can read about them if you are planning to make the trek down to Columbia next week. Next up, though, for the Cats is UT Chattanooga this Saturday, and uh, we'll get into the Wildcats football preparation, and uh, they are through two games as we move through the show today. But when we come back, we'll talk some hoops with Mike Pratt. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, and our Wildcat News of the Day is served up by Giuseppe's of Lexington. Go to their website, Giuseppe'sLexington.com, to make reservations, to place orders, and to get gift cards. Order them online, and Giuseppe's will mail them out for you. Links to the stories that we talk about each day, you can find them on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We'll be right back.
2: Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today.
3: We head to the
0: drinksword.com hotline to bring on Mike Pratt. Talk a little UK sports, but we'll start with your Browns. I sent you a text when things were looking good early, and then they let it slip away against the Chiefs last week.
1: Yeah, Tom, I I thought they... uh... They blew that one on the road. That would have been one heck of a W. But uh, you know their their defense didn't play real well. It, it's they didn't play up to their uh, expectations, and it ended up uh, hurting them. I think they'll they'll play better defensively than they did last uh, Sunday night.
0: Well, let's uh, get to look Kentucky basketball. Cal picks up another top ten or top five commit, depending on uh, whose rankings you consulted. Chris Livingston last night. um, This, I'm sure, came as no surprise to you, but uh, Cal's clearly been re-energized by a disappointing season that he's coming off of.
1: Yeah, uh, you you saw that once uh, he took some time off last spring and he came back and the things he did, the things he said or didn't say, both, Led me to believe that this—he's uh, he, coming back as a puncher, man. He's coming back as a puncher. You and I both sat there and we watched him, and you can tell by the body language how hurt he was about the year. And they tried everything; it didn't work, and that's so frustrating to a coach. And, and it's good to see him with that attitude now. And I don't know how good this team's going to be, but he thinks they're going to be a whole heck of a lot better than last year. That'll make him feel pretty good, Tom. <laughs>
0: yeah i would think so uh you know he could have looked at last season and just wrote it off to to covet in those unusual circumstances and uh not done some self-reflection or program reflection whatever you want to call it uh same with stoops i mean they uh, have had a, a lot of success over these last few years in football and he could have uh, done the same uh, and instead both made some, some bold moves and that's uh, usually something that successful coaches uh, are called on to do at, at some point. Uh, and uh, not all of them you know respond to it or a- answer that call, but both of these guys uh, really made some bold moves.
1: They did. And uh, to your point about uh, Stoops, you know everybody really wondered what was going on when he made that quarterback decision. And then the kid left uh, after the decision was made. Everybody said, well, the kid didn't get a chance. Coach didn't like him. I mean, I heard all kinds of stuff, right? I'm sure you did, too. But I want to tell you what, Stoops's move, uh, given all the controversy about that, okay, good and bad, turned out to be a hell of a move, didn't it? Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, and so uh, he doubled down, and uh, he, he made the right decision, and it was was not easy for Calipari to make all those coaching changes with guys that he had known. He made the changes. Uh, it looks to me like the changes are going well uh, based upon our recruiting, and uh, I, I just think both coaches, as you said, they they have done a really good job. And the other thing, it looks like football did a nice job in the portal getting some transfers um, to play, that could play. And uh, I, I think that's going to be interesting going forward. Now, we'll see about basketball and, and how their, uh, their poor old guys do, but um, I got the feeling they're going to be a real contributors to this program.
0: You can speak to this having coached, but I would think that a big part of being successful at a high-level job like these are is you have to be – secure in, in who you are as a coach enough that you will uh you know follow your in your instincts uh, you know make some bold moves when you think it's necessary not be afraid to lose your job so much that you don't really do your job well enough
1: yeah guys that are uh, are first time starters for lack of better terminology in coaching maybe their first coaching job or they've jumped up a level. Yeah, they, they might be. They might be hesitant because they're trying to climb the ladder, don't want to make a mistake. But the beauty of Stoops and Calipari is they're both established in their respective sports, okay? they it, Look, they didn't have to make these moves. They didn't have to do certain things. They could do it uh, not quite as boldly, as you said, as they did. But they stepped right out, man. They took on all comers. And uh, whether you liked it or not, they said this is the way I'm going to do it. I feel it in my gut, and I'm going to I'm going to roll with it. So you got to give them a, a tip of the hat for doing that.
0: Cal talked at his recent media session about uh, wanting to have essentially four four guys out on the perimeter that would have guard skills. <coughs> Excuse me, not so much four guards, but guard skills. So you got to be able to to create something and to um, get by your man and those kinds of things and guard out out on the perimeter. And sometimes coaches say things, but then what they do um, belies what they're saying. Uh, here, you know, you look at the players he brought in for this, this year's team and the ones that he's recruiting certainly backs up what he's saying.
1: Yeah, to your point, coaches say a lot of things, right? And they, and they say uh, things sometimes that they can't live up to their statement. But I think if you watch the NBA a little bit, Then you'll see Cal picks picks that game apart, pieces to use in his offense, okay? And he uses it because he can see that's the way the game is going. He has a good feel for that. So he'll pick those things and try to recruit players accordingly. And uh, in the NBA, you got six, eight guys playing on the perimeter, six, nine guys playing on the perimeter. So uh, I think you're going to see Kentucky's bigs be able to move out there. And, you know, big now is, is, uh, is uh, in the eye of the beholder. I don't think Shreveway is going to move out, or maybe uh, Collins, the new kid. But you know, Keon's going to be out there. Tom, he's going to be out there shooting the ball and you know, running the floor. So uh, I-, I think this team is uh, this team's poised to make a big jump although it's a it's a tough time to make a big jump from a bad year when your league is maybe the best league in the country right
0: wow it is going to be tough isn't it you look around the, yeah, the league and uh you know how how good I mean there, there should could should be several SEC teams in the top 25 when that you know last set of rankings before the tournament comes out
1: I agree I think uh, you'll find uh the SEC assuming everything goes as you know, no injuries or anything else. I think they'll be right at the top of the list of invitations to the NCAA. You know, they'll be up there with the multiples. Um, even though they, there's a good chance they could hurt each other, okay, uh, in the season by playing each other. But the fact is, uh, if everybody keeps their uh, their their schedule together, plays the right people, it may not be as uh, hurtful as
0: you think. Yeah, good point, Mike. Thank you much. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, buddy. That is Mike Pratt. It's at Mike Pratt 22 on Twitter. He joins us on the DrinkSword.com hotline here on The Leach Report. Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated next up. This is where the Big Blue Nation
2: gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio.
0: 25 past the top of the hour, it is the Leach Report for Thursdays. We welcome in Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com on the drinksword.com hotline. Got a chance to go back and uh, look at the Mizzou game. Now, Justin, uh, anything you noticed watching it a second time after watching in real time?
3: There's a lot of little takeaways, but I think the big takeaway is they should have won by more. And, you know, they were kicking themselves because of the fumble before halftime. But, you know, there were there were a lot of points left out there. Um, and, you know, I just felt like it was a tough matchup for Kentucky for, for what they do and for what Missouri does. They want to keep everything in front, and they'll give you the short stuff. And that's kind of what the Missouri quarterback thrives in doing. He sucks you in. He dumps it off right over your head. And they've got some guys that are sneaky, difficult to tackle on the open field, Beatty and their big receivers and tight ends. And I think they can clean up the tackling more than anything uh, in those open field situations. But Missouri was schematically one of the biggest tests they're going to face this
0: season. Yeah. It's an interesting point because Kentucky's, you know, unlike Mizzou's not a big blitz team. That's uh, just going to relentlessly come after you. And, um, they're going to try to, uh, mostly pressure with, with their down guys. And then, uh, if you take the short stuff, their ideas are going to come and tackle you and force you to, to punt after, you know, one or one or none or one first downs maybe. And, uh, yeah mizzou missed enough tack made them miss enough tackles that they kept drives going
3: that's right yeah they're they're a tough team for kentucky to play and that's two years going and that's Basilak and that's drinkwitz uh and they're not good at over the top big plays that way but for what kentucky allows they'll take that all day you don't have a lot of quarterbacks in college with the discipline and the accuracy to just be like a 99 percent that throw is going to get you five six yards but they'll take that all day and and mississippi state tennessee last year didn't they got they got greedy and threw into the teeth of the defense and there were a lot of turnovers and missouri not doing that is why i think they're probably a tougher matchup than even mike leach's air raid later on
0: you think kentucky uh, produced the co-highest number of takeaways last year with its defense uh so far that number is down do you uh, look for it to pick up
3: i think it will i think it'll everything will regress to the mean i think you have to to expect that. I, like I said, last year, it was really about those two games, you know, with Tennessee and Mississippi State. So it's going to be a game-by-game game thing. Um, the, the turnover margin, the best thing that they can do, I think forcing them is sometimes a little bit fluky. But just just the ball security with the backs and the skill position players, because there have also been some drops and even some, some spotty, sloppy play on pump return decisions, um, these are all things that they can clean up uh, in addition to forcing more.
0: I was thought coming into this that with a new coordinator, a new QB, and some other new folks on the offense, that um, might take you know the first month of the season before they're really starting to hit on something close to to all cylinders. Uh, agree?
3: The offense? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it's still a work in progress, but they do look really crisp. I've watched a lot of college football pretty much every conference this year, and Kentucky's offense is humming like, like very few are. Uh, and just, just the pace and the speed and the tempo that they're going from, you know, when, when they break the huddle to, I mean, the timing on the end-around to Juan Dale at the beginning of that game was incredible. I didn't think he had enough time to get the handoff, and the linebackers, because of that, weren't even looking for the play, and they were running in the opposite direction. So just in terms of the timing and, and how comfortable they look in the offense, they look like it's mid-October already.
0: We're talking with Justin Rowland on the com hotline here on the Leach Report. You can read him and his team at catsillustrated.com, and on Twitter it is at Rowland Rivals, and uh, we'll get back to continue the conversation here in just a bit. Coach David Sisk from Cats Illustrated going to join us in the second half to talk about Chris Livingston in more detail, too. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And you can swing by for an award-winning breakfast to get your game day started this Saturday. Breakfast, brunch, and lunch at the Hamburg and Palomar locations for Wild Eggs. And if you can't uh, spend the time to sit down and eat there, call ahead, get it to go, wildeggs.com, or order through DoorDash, it, etc.,
2: this is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom.
0: From the Clark's Pump and Shop studio, and it is the second half of the Leach Report for Thursday, Justin Rowland's with us from CatsIllustrated.com. And you guys have uh, ability to get access to some uh, detail analytics. Justin, uh, anything out of those numbers that uh, really jumps out at you for Kentucky through two games?
3: yeah um will levis is like the highest graded uh thrower in the country on passes that travel 10 or more yards and that's insane that's like a crazy one-year turnaround where kentucky couldn't even leverage one of the nation's strongest running games in the country to even modest play action success and now they're just lighting it up and they're not slinging the ball all over the yard like a lot like they had a 75 percent run split in this last game against missouri i don't think that'll continue but They're picking their shots really well. And so I think it it speaks to how Cohen is setting up those opportunities, but also Will Levis uh, is clearly an elite uh, deep ball thrower. And he's still got room to improve on the short stuff, on the crossing patterns, on the timing on those throws. But but what a one year turnaround in terms of the vertical game.
0: Just gives Kentucky a a little more margin for error. If they get in a bit of a hole, they can, you know, they have quick strike capability to to come back, they can uh, put a little more pressure on you by uh you know attacking the field and you know a more of the field and in, in different ways where you know it was just very difficult they, they had to be so precise in these last few years didn't they
3: yes absolutely i felt the same way it used to be that like a five yard false start penalty felt like you were in first and 25 yeah and it was really hard to make that up and levis uh, it's nothing for him, and and the defenses they face are going to get better. That three-game stretch in the middle of the season will, will be much more difficult, but, I mean, the guy, he's played at pretty much like the Andre Woodson level from 2007, I and mean, he's really been good. I think he was four of six, ten yards in attempt on third down against Missouri, and I thought, beyond the, the analytics, some of his best moments were after either a bad play or in a really high-stress moment, and just, just. Knowing when to, to lower your shoulder to get those extra few yards, uh, knowing when you've got to attack 15 yards to get past the chains, That's, I thought th- those intangibles and game situation awareness have been really impressive.
0: Wandale Robinson certainly is as good as advertised.
3: Yeah, yeah, he's closer to Lynn Bowden than I thought that he was. And they're different players. I mean, they're built the same way, they play the same way, but I think Wandale is just more polished as a receiver at this point than ben- Bode never was at Kentucky because he was moved around. Wandale, um, he-, he really knows what he's doing. He knows how to get open. I wish we could watch the All-22 film, but you just watch him at the line of scrimmage. Very difficult to check, to, de- to-, to get off his route, uh, and-, and that separation is going to be there all season.
0: One thing I think that's uh, going to be uh, a big addition to this offense at some point this season is some more more of the explosive plays out of the tight end spot. They got one big on their uh, go-ahead drive late from Justin Rigg on a screen. I know I saw one of your tweets where you pointed out something that that Freddie mentioned on our show on Monday, how good uh, Bates was as a blocker in this game. But uh, he and and Cummings, and maybe to a lesser extent Dingo, but Cummings in particular is a guy that is going to have a big impact, I think, at some point along the way.
3: I like that they went back to Cummings after that play where the interception that, that bounced off of Cummings and Mizzou picked off. There was a question of should he have settled into that zone instead of kept running, and is that why the, the throw was behind him? I don't know, but they went right back to him, either a drive or two later, as a freshman. And I, I love how they use those tight ends differently. And people have mentioned, think about next year, when they've got Keaton Upshaw, Brennan Bates, and – uh uh and uh, Cummings as well. I mean, Cummings, Upshaw—the potential for for those hybrid mismatches. That room has has a really bright future. I think.
0: Maybe going back to Cummings, what you're talking about speaks to what I was just uh, saying too. Is that if you go back to him in that spot, I think maybe tells me that as a as a play caller, you think that this guy can really help you, and you want to do everything you can to to you know get his confidence. Uh, where you want it to be as opposed to, you know, a young guy that maybe makes a mistake and you think, okay, well, he's just not as ready as I thought. We'll just uh, back off of him for a while.
3: Yeah, you know, if it were as easy as just, like, taking a big receiver and putting him at tight end to create a mismatch, everybody would would be doing that. And, And they're able to do it because he's big enough and he's physical enough to also block. And I think, you know, he can improve on that, Cummings can, but he knows what he's doing at least, and you pointed out the, the, the nice play where they got Rig out uh, in the flat and he just kind of picked up a lot of yards after the catch. They, they've really used those tight ends. Well, I've just been most impressed with how Cohen has set up his playmakers to succeed. He's put, he's, set, he's, he's called the game in such a way to, to, to run plays towards other plays, to set up other plays, and, and to get guys in, in isolation spots, and, and they've got to be really happy with that.
0: Yeah, that's where I was actually going to go next for you, is to talk a little bit about what you're seeing out of Cohen, especially in the second game where it was a stiffer test. Um, you know, we knew what the Rams do, and he came out of that system, and uh, we, you know, speculated on how the offense might look, but now uh, we're seeing it in action and seeing, you know, a, a play caller in action.
3: Yes, and you know, there's been a lot of discussion about those 18 consecutive runs. I think. Four, four of those were lettuce, and, and three of those or so were scrambles. Um, so there wouldn't have been the streak of 18 straight runs if it wasn't working so well. If you're not a service academy and you run it 18 times in a row, you're probably running it well. And I thought that was a really good sign, because there was a question. That we knew the passing game was improved. Did they sacrifice much of that running game identity in improving the passing game? And no, we now know that they can still run the ball like they did last year. The passing game is just gravy on top of that. So I thought it was a really encouraging game as far as the the heavy emphasis on the running game.
0: Any uh, special uh, offers or deals that Cats Illustrated?
3: Yeah, front page, 30-day free trial. Appreciate you mentioning it.
0: There you go. Talk to you next week, Justin. Thanks a lot, Tom. It's Justin Rick, or Justin Rick, Justin Rowland from uh, Cats Illustrated. Uh, by the way, they've got uh, a deal, uh, NIL deal with DeAndre Square, so you can see some of their content uh, with DeAndre at CatsIllustrated.com. We're talking about the Kentucky offense. Uh, WDRB had a note yesterday that uh, uh, Josh Ali, UK wide receiver, scheduled to be in court in Lexington next week on a charge of leaving the scene of an accident without rendering aid and driving without insurance this came uh, from earlier this year. We're going to head to a break. We're back with coach David Sisk to talk about Chris Livingston. In just a moment. Find out more about the Voice of the
2: Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at tomleachky.com.
0: Quarter before the top of the hour of the Leach Report. Served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. We go to the DrinkSword.com hotline to chat with Coach David Sisk from Cats Illustrated uh, about Kentucky's latest commitment. Chris Livingston from Oak Hill Academy saying last night that he will sign with John Calipari in Kentucky come November. Uh, first, David, let's talk about Chris's game and uh, what you've seen.
2: I saw um, this morning on Twitter Kyle Tucker. Um, had a tweet. where he had talked to Steve Smith at O'Killo, and Coach Smith made a comparison to Ron Mercer. And I I see uh, some of that. And I see similarities, and I see things that aren't similarities. Now, now Ron played when I coached AAU. Ron was in our uh, program, so uh, I saw uh, Ron probably play a hundred games by the time he was Livingston's age. Um, I see the comparisons and the fact that they're they're really good off the dribble, uh, just really kind of overpowering at that age, putting the ball on the floor. They kind of look older. Uh, they they've got they look more mature in the face. Definitely the bodies are more mature. Livingston about twenty five pounds heavier than Ron, so Ron, you know, his body's the same now as it was back when he was at Kentucky not ounce of fat on him, lean, kind of like a thoroughbred. thoroughbred. Livingston's more like a bull uh, at that wing spot. So a lot more physical, uh, really good on the glass. A player that's not going to be scared to get down on the floor, can guard the two through the floor. Uh, And I think next year as as a freshman, he's one of these players. I think Shaden Sharp's the same way that uh, they're not going to be two players where you see the best of their game five or six years on down the road where it's all potential and you're just kind of scratching the surface of one year at Kentucky. I think both these guys can step in next year and have a a huge impact because I think their game is ready, and I think their bodies are ready, too, uh, to have a a really great freshman year at Kentucky.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's crucial because uh, almost certainly they're just going to be here the one year.
2: Yeah, and I mean, that's a fact a lot, and Calipari, you know, is is not only, not only knows that, but he's embraced it, I mean, that's what the program's been kind of built around, you know, uh, during his era here, but, you know, how many times have have you saw a player uh, at Kentucky, and you look and you see how good they are, maybe like a, a bam, or it could end up being Isaiah Jackson or somebody, where... You know, they turn into a, you know, a max contract guy in the NBA. And you know when they're there, their body's still trying to catch up. They're still uh, maybe trying to get, if you're a big, you're trying to get thicker. You're trying to put on weight. Uh, If you're a guard, you're really working on your skill level. It's just not quite there yet. And you look and you're like, man, you know, I'm glad that they've had their career that they had, but you never really got to see that peak performance at kentucky uh and that happens a lot with one and does but uh, like i said i think chris livingston's a guy who can play to his max potential uh next year at kentucky
0: seem would seem to me that if you're doing what cal's doing as far as trying to as he mentioned play four guys out on the perimeter that have guard skills that uh, the guys you get uh, are going to be able, going to need to be able to, to go in and, and mix it up and, and help your rebounding because you're maybe sacrificing a little bit of rebounding when you're playing the other way. And Livingston you know, certainly I, should be able to do that.
2: I remember a coach told me a couple years back, you know, I was interviewing about a player and we were talking about versatility. And he said something that stuck with me. He said, he was talking about position wise. He said, you are who you can guard. So if you. If you're 6'9", and you say, oh, I can play the two, I'm a shooting guard, uh, you better be able to guard the two. So I look at Livingston, You and I think Livingston can pretty well guard two through four. I mean, he's 220 pounds. He's so physical and strong. I think he can guard the other team's power forward. I'm going to be interested to see how Calipari implements it because I don't think I've talked to Livingston before several times and you know the last time I, I talked to him there was some talk about Caleb Perry talking to him about being a small ball four and I asked him about that and he said I'm not interested in, in playing the four so I'm curious if it's going to be one of these true positionless uh situations and I I wrote an article about that uh about what he brings where it's not necessarily you're sticking them out there in a forward playing them in a corner to stretch, but it's a deal kind of like maybe a Nate Oates place to Alabama or even a, a Jay Wright at Villanova, where the one through fours are interchangeable. You're putting them all into ball screens. You're trying to get them all mismatched. And when you get a switch that you want, you just clear out and let those guys play in isolation. So Chris Livingston, even if he was what we would call a, a small ball four, he might have the same uh, uh, responsibilities that, let's say, if they got a Case and Wallace or somebody like that, that, that that type of player would have at that, that play the two.
0: It sounds a little like what football coaches are doing when they're running spread offenses is, is they're just trying to find a create create and find a mismatch. Yeah, And, and space. If you'll
2: look, if you'll look now, the game obviously. It's been the ball screen, but now it's even the slip screens. I I know guys like Nate Oates and Bruce Pearl say they don't like the ball screens, per se, because it brings another defender. So they'll run a guy out basically just to spread the floor like he's on a ball screen. He just runs through, and it's what we call a ghost screen. And it just clears out more room for a guy with a ball, and it's basically one-on-one isolation. Uh, So, you know, that's what you're looking at a lot in today's game. So, you know... Tyler Perry's not really went a whole lot with that in the past. Uh, even, you know, when he used to run the four-out, it was the dribble drive. But, man, it, it, basketball's come so far in that type of style since, you know, he was at Memphis, or early Kentucky days. and I, I'm, I'm just really interested. I, I think there's probably no doubt that he's going to go to a four-out look, but I'm really uh, interested to see how he goes about it and exactly what they do because there's so many ways to do it.
0: He has always uh, talked about, you know, if you this phrase about, you know, if you don't have a post presence, your team is a is a fraud. Um, yeah. Can Shibway, uh give them what they need there? We know he's a you know a hustle guy and can board. Can he give them offensively what you think they'll need there?
2: Yeah, I think so because I think he's his strength there is, is playing down with his back to the rim. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, but I think too, just having the post presence defensively and rebounding and the physicality. And I, I think in today's game, uh, and there's, there's, it's going to be interesting to see with this team this year, but they've got a lot more shooters around, it appears, than what they have in the past. So, uh, I don't know if you, if you post him up and you, you let him play with a back to the bucket and you go inside out or you, play him kind of like a Nick Richards uh, or a D.J. Montgomery or some of the guys that they've had in the past, where you play him in the dunker spot at that short corner, let these guys drive, and if they draw help or, the, you know, a shooter, uh, uh, you know, draws that, or his man has to stay with him and can't help, it opens up somebody else to drive and then you draw that back man on the help. then you get the lob for Oscar, or you get that bounce pass where he can go up and finish at the rim, uh, or you come out late in shot clock, and you set that ball screen and you roll off of it instead of just posting up. And, you know, that's what Calipari's done a lot in the past. So I, I still think you're going to see a familiar role of Oscar in the way Calipari plays his picks to, to, to what we've seen the last couple of years.
0: And to me, there's was some consternation when the Kofi Coburn situation was playing out. That you know, worry that you know, what if uh, Oscar gets uh, dinged up or gets in foul trouble, et cetera. That kind of to your point of you are who you can guard. Uh, you, you know, other than you know a few exceptions with a guy like Coburn, there's not a lot of guys like that that your five man has to guard. So, point being that you know, in a uh, in a pinch. You know, you could play Keon at a five if you needed to for a while.
2: Yeah, and I just did – I never saw the, the fit there with both of them. And I'm talking about
0: – Coburn and, and Chiboy,
2: Oscar, yeah. I never saw it because they're both – I'm not going to say the same player, but they're, they're even – you know, Kofi's even bigger than Oscar. So I, I don't look at either one of those guys as being a finesse type a power forward who can step out, so you've got two guys down on a block. And I think then when you get that, then you're really clogging up the offense. And then defensively, uh, you know, you play Auburn or Alabama or somebody like that who's going to go smaller with that four and make you step out. And I think they're really in trouble. I don't. I didn't know how, how they could defend that, and I just didn't think they would have any offensive rhythm and chemistry by playing both of those on the floor at the same time. And neither guy – You know, the the caliber players they are want to come off the bench. So I just didn't see how you could play them together.
0: Coach David Sisk at CatsIllustrated.com. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate the time.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you, buddy.
0: We'll close out this edition of the Leach Report when we come right back. This is Stan Wildcat History, 1995. Kentucky ended a 12-game losing skid by going up to Indiana and getting a win and leading the Cats to the victory. But Duke Tillman High School product, Billy Jack Haskins, wearing that number seven that Will Levis now wears. Uh, and uh, this day in 1977, I did my first radio broadcast over at Montgomery County High School. Did a uh, report of stats, halftime and uh, post-game of a high school game been a long time. Uh, Good to chat with all you guys today. We'll see you tomorrow for Football Friday on the Leach Report. Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReports at
2: gmail.com. See you next time.